Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Good morning, Key. Good morning, Jay. What's going on? Oh, it looks great out there in that water. That water looks wonderful. Good old New York, baby. Yo, I'm not going to lie. Key's in L.A. right now, chilling. Jay, it is brick out here in New York. Really? Starting last brick? night. Starting last night. Yeah, Max, we built for this. Oh, we built I, for no it. doubt. I'm just saying, you you break yeah, out the goose up, down last up, night. Hike that up for yourself if you want to. You should be that guy then running around the football stadium with nothing on then, Jay. No. I mean, I've, been, I've been in for 40 years, you know? Key. I don't know what you Yo, want from me. I'm take used your to shirt it. off. And, go take your shirt no, off and you go home that, and dude. just run around. I'm gonna have the, I'm gonna have the big fluffy jacket on. I'm gonna have the, the the mittens and everything. Now people, so you ain't are, really you ain't as real, you ain't as tough as you claim to be right now, then. Well, I'm tough. I I ain't stupid. I'm tough. I ain't stupid. Well, listen, why don't you? Hey, Max, go ahead and dive in the East River. And listen, walk around. this dude's talking about. Oh, you're not as tough as you say. Or as soon as it gets cold, he's in the he's in L.A. chilling, talking about. Oh, you're not so tough. Yo, it's true too. The temperature in L.A. because I've lived in L.A. for six years in the past, right? The temper, the, the it, your blood thins out or something. You can't take the cold the same way. No, no question. No, no doubt, question. right? Yeah, that 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 is very true. That's why when I think about it, early years in my career, I played in New York, so I was fine, right? It's cool. Yeah. I go down to Tampa, and within a year. I, you know, that year after being in Tampa and then we go on the road and play in, like, Chicago and Green Bay, I was like, oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I'm a Florida boy now. Yeah, you get real uncomfortable real fast. Um, so the Bucks beat the Giants on Monday Night Football. To everyone's surprise and amazement, the Bucks actually beat the Giants. Wow. The defending Super Bowl champions beat a team that has no, at no point in the last five years ever Spent a moment above 500. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to have Jeff Saturday at 730 and Mike Tannenbaum at 8 to talk about the game. Uh, but we've got to get to the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Cleveland beat Detroit, but Baker didn't play well and skipped his post-game media availability. Now, listen, he's banged up. I get it. Running backs banged up or you get a guy back another guy's not there. Your best receiver's not on the team. Maybe that's your fault. Your other best receiver's banged up. He's got a lot of injuries he's dealing with, especially his own. But he didn't play well. And we finally heard uh, they beat you know, the worst, to, uh, uh, a winless team by his field goal. We finally heard from Baker on Monday, and here's what he said. You pride yourself on, on being that guy and being accountable and stepping forward. And Not one part of that's not being accountable. I'd be the first to tell you I played like so. It's, it's not about accountable, and I don't owe you guys any of that. I owe that to my teammates, and I talk to them, so that's what matters. Baker, what did you make of, of some of the booing there in the second half from the fans? Those are probably the same fans that won't be quiet while we're on offense and trying to operate, so don't really care. I ain't mad at him. Mad at him one bit. You you don't owe the media anything at all. You uh, hold your accountability to your teammates. You don't hold the accountability to the media. That, that's ridiculous if, if one even thought that. He doesn't have to answer those questions if he chose to. And if he didn't want to be at the presser after the game because he didn't feel a certain way, I don't have any issues with that at all. In terms of the fans, you're booing him and he's playing. He's out there basically with a half a body playing. That's total disrespect. Now, maybe you've fallen out of love with him and that's your right to as 
fans who spend money to see a team and a product put on the field that you love or like or whatever it may be. But you you got to be appreciative of the way that Baker Mayfield has taken the field and being banged up and everything by not deciding to sit tight and get healthy to protect his investment long-term to try to get the money. He's out there trying to put put a good product on the field as much as he can. So you got to respect it. Booing, I mean, fans are fans, and, and he's probably right about that. It's probably somebody that is making all the booing noise and screaming and hollering when they're on offense trying to engineer drives. I love Baker. I appreciate his edge. I think it's something he brings to the table. I think he's one of the toughest individuals in the NFL and all sports to play through the injuries he's played through. Also mentally to go through what he's gone through this year, not having a great year, but still battling and playing. But like my mom always told me, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. And when Baker starts sitting at these podiums and has a little bit of that tone, I'm fine with you having that tone. You just got to ball out, man. Because if you ball out, it doesn't matter what you say. People don't use any of that stuff against you. People may use anything you say against you, but if you ball out, all that stuff goes away. If you don't ball out and you have that tone like, I don't care, then the media, then people can twist that, and that could be used against you. Sometimes they don't someone, do that anyway, though, Jay. I hear you. Sometimes someone says something that changes your perspective a little bit. Jay just did that with me. I'll tell you why. I'm with Key. On and, and Jay, you're with Key too. On yes. like, look, what Baker says is right, and there's something endearing about it when you listen to him. Because do we really want press conferences where we're just testing the guy to see if he can give? You know, Key does that like football guy answer, and you're like, oh my god, that's perfect. Is it just a test of that? Is it like a performance, or do we really want to find something out? Because if we really want to find something out, Baker gives that to you, right? And it's not like what he's saying is wrong. What he's saying is right. But here's why what Jay said has me thinking a little differently, Key. Uh-huh. It's the way he's saying it that tells you what you need to know. He is, like, surly. He's, there's something underneath it that's reacting to the questions because there is some negative connotations mm-hmm. in the questions, right? There, but, so there's something in it that's reacting to it that, that's, that's angry, that's that's like going at the fans a little bit, even if the fans are in the wrong. Whereas, whereas someone who really handles that very well, you know, that's, that goes right like water off a duck's back. Yeah, man. They don't, they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not worried about it like Max, the way baby. Baker's worried about it. Max, baby. Baby Max. Let me, let me, let me take you in here, man. <laughs> when I'm out on the field and I'm busting my ass, mm-hmm. To get out of the training room, to go and try and put the best thing possible on the field with one leg, one arm, a half a lung, a cracked rib, a neck that's hurting, a head that's hurting, fingers that's sore, and I'm out there doing what I need to do to try to help us win games, and I'm getting a reaction from media and fans, I'm going to be teed off Mm -hmm. because you're not appreciating what I'm doing. And I know what I'm doing. I know how hard I work. Mm -hmm. I know how hard I wake up every single damn morning, roll out of the bed, get into the training room, whether it's the ice, the steam, the tub, I'm in there and I'm going out there and I'm, 
I'm practicing. I'm grinding every single day. Money aside, because the money is already in the bank. I'm not even. That's the. That's the. Le- I can sit tight. They ain't gonna get that back. But I'm busting my rear end to try and help this franchise, and you are booing me, or you asking me some silly ass questions at a podium. That is going to be irritating when I already know the answer to my problems. It's I'm hurt and I'm not playing well. But then you, as a media member, as a fan booing me, don't appreciate that. That's why Baker has the tone that he has. There's no doubt that there are good reasons for the tone. What I'm saying is there's something about that, that, Jay, you brought it up. There's something about the delivery that you said, hey, you better ball, right? There's something about the delivery that has a certain level of arrogance in it. And understand, I'm saying this from a point of view where I understand what you're saying. I agree with the points. I'm not anti-Baker in this way. I'm not. I like the fact that he gives you a real answer, and it's straight up and down. And when you investigate the answer, you go, yeah, he's not wrong. He's right. But there's a certain arrogance in the tone that, that, that when you're, you're bulletproof when you're a baller. And Baker is something less than that. And so it's, I can see where that rubs the wrong way. Pete, if you were doing a press conference and you didn't play well, knowing your background, how you balled out, you could say things in the manner that you say them because you would go ball out. You would go put up stats and be like, you see this? Talk well, to he that. May, but he Talk may that. come back again, though, next week. Okay. That's, a, that's what I said. Out. That was my point. That was all if my point healthy. was. That's but what, if he's not healthy, we may see the same results. We have to take into consideration, Jay and Max, he's not healthy. No, he's not. And he's, being, and he's tough. He's obviously tough because he's playing through. A, I think but, also another component but, is because he wants the contract and he's in a contract year that he, like, you can look at it and go, okay, but what's the motivation? Are you trying to not let Case Keenum get on the field? Are you trying, you know what I mean, to, to, to protect the fact that, you know, you, the assumption is he's negotiating, trying to get toward the top of the market? I think that takes a little bit of fair or not fair key. I think that, that dampens the he's a tough guy thing for fans a little bit. And, and also, yeah, but if you – go ahead, Jay. Okay. I was going to say, Key, I'm sorry. Uh, even more so, the fact that he is – injured if he continues to play this way like how do you start assessing it right because eventually people will start saying yeah i know he's injured but yeah yeah absolutely like, but yeah. you know and, yeah, and that's the absolutely. part that you start you get worrisome for him about he's in a yeah, tough he gonna spot. trick off he's gonna trick off his money if he stay hurt exactly. playing the way he's playing yeah. so i that's why i say i wouldn't play unless i'm 100 percent. i'm not putting bad tape out there mm. yep yep there's a lot Keyshawn, Jay, will and max presented by progressive insurance all guests on the goodyear hotline one coach uh, got chomped over the weekend, and another is hoping his $95 million deal is still on the table. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Paul Feinbaum is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is heating up and fans are hyped. Crack open an ice cold Dr. Pepper slash on slash on a frep coat. huh? Slap on a fresh coat is how I say it in English of face paint. Still kind of early in the morning, right, Jay? (laughs) And return to glory with an all new season of Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve the latest college football playoff rankings will be released tonight but we had another big time program open up this weekend with florida firing dan mullen on sunday why was this the right time to make that move we bring in paul feinbaum paul Good morning, Max. And yeah, the, the reason why it was the right time is that the, the program has completely imploded since a year ago when, when Florida was playing for the SEC championship against Alabama. Yeah, they had that really close game against the Tide this year. They, they needed a two-point conversion to tie. But since then, it has been an absolute disaster, uh, losing to Kentucky, losing and getting blown out by schools like South Carolina, lost in overtime to Missouri, got waxed by Georgia, which is no great shame, but the the accumulation of all that and the fact that Dan Mullen is not exactly a likable coach at times uh, forced the administration there to say, you know what, the situation here is toxic. We are going to make a change. When you you look at what happened to Dan Mullen at Florida, who would you hire – as the next coach, Paul, to bring in that is not going to repeat the same mistakes that Dan Mullen did, which is major in terms of one violation in terms of recruiting. That's really the problem, Keyshawn. If you look at Florida's history in, in the last 30 years, they've had two successful coaches and four coaches who were fired. The two successful are obvious, Spurrier and Urban Meyer, and everybody else has been somewhat of a disaster. This is the third straight coach at Florida who has been fired, uh, Will Muschamp, McElwain, and now Mullen. And Mullen looked like a good selection. Uh, he was the third choice. It's worth remembering the first two were Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. Neither has really done all that much since they since they turned that job down. But, you know, he had a good track record at Mississippi State, but he, he didn't do the most important thing you have to do at a major SEC school, and that's recruit at the highest level. He, he was able to develop some good players. I mean, last year he had Pitts and, and Kyle Trask, and he's had some other ones. But, but he couldn't hang 
with Jimbo Fisher, uh, Nick Saban, and, and especially Kirby Smart. And, and he didn't even look like Keyshawn. He liked to recruit. Uh, that was the most bizarre part of it. it he, he had no appetite for doing what you have to do in recruiting, and that's recruit almost every day, well, not almost every day of the year, 24-7. And I, I think he is a, a brilliant play caller. He's a, he's a great developer of quarterbacks, Dak Prescott being his prized pupil. But ultimately, uh, he could not cut it at this level. So where does the school go? Uh, you know, they want an offensive coach. That's why Mullen was hired. They've had defensive coaches. Uh, Lane Kiffin is a name you have to look at. Billy Napier from Louisiana is not that well known, but uh, he's, been, he's been at Clemson and at Alabama. And after that, it's literally going through the same list that we have regurgitated here every week since the beginning of the season. Paul, as a fan of the Chicago Bears, I wouldn't want this, but yesterday Dan Orlovsky suggested that Dan Mullen would be the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. What would your thought about that be? I could see it. Uh, Mullen, for about a year, has let it be known that he would like to go to the NFL. And I think the reason why he would do okay in the NFL is that you know, he, he fits that system more. He's a, he's a play caller. He's just not a great people person. He was always fighting with the media, which you do, uh, you, you do in the NFL, but it's not quite as important if you win. Uh, nobody cares what, what you say as long as you're a playoff contender or in college football, you have to get along, you have to go to clubs, you have to uh, grease the wheels of the system. So I, I think that could happen. Uh, and and, and, and I'll, I'll say it again, just because you don't make it at Florida doesn't mean you're, you're not a good coach. A, a lot of people have failed there. So I, I would not rule anything out. It's just a, a matter of whether an owner can sit down with Dan Mullen and take a good look at him and say, you know what, I think he's the guy. But uh, you know when, when Dak Prescott is going to sing your praises, and he's not the only one. Uh, you know, he's tutored other, other good quarterbacks as well, from Alex Smith to Tim Tebow. Uh, but, but Prescott is obviously uh, you know, his masterpiece. And uh, so I, I think it's possible. Meantime, um, we, uh, you know, I, when was the last time a dream matchup in college football didn't include Alabama. But after what Ohio State just did, how <laughs> likely, right? Like, oh, oh, my, Georgia's defense, Ohio State's offense. How likely is it that Ohio State jumps Alabama in the rankings this week? They should, uh, and I think they will, uh, because Ohio State looked to everyone last week uh, as the second-best team in the country. And Alabama, they're still good. But they're struggling. I mean, they're having to hold on against Arkansas. Uh, you know, Arkansas had, a, had an onside kick that would have put them uh, in a one-possession game on the final uh, possession of the game. Uh, they, they just cannot finish teams off. They don't have any team chemistry. Uh, they have you know, either the best or second-best quarterback in the country in Bryce Young. They have good receivers. They have uh, a, a lot of talent. Uh, they have maybe the best player in the country in Will Anderson. But ultimately, they, don't, they can't quite put it together to, to, to be at the highest level. I mean, they're still going to be third tonight. I think Cincinnati will be fourth. You could see the committee play games with Michigan knowing that they could very well lose in, in five days. But, it, but right now, to the, to the dismay of many people in college football, it looks like Cincinnati is, is, is about to claim a playoff berth with two more wins. Hey, uh, Paul, what are you hearing about Mel Tucker signing his extension with Michigan State in the 
tunes of $95 million. Did he sign it or is he still waiting or are they having buyers remorse? Like what's going on in East Lansing right now? Yeah, so for those who haven't followed this, uh, it looked like LSU was after Mel Tucker and so was everyone else. And and the school went deep to its boosters and, and, w- and were able to come up with this $95 million extension. The only problem is he went out and laid the biggest egg of the season Saturday <laughs> at Ohio State. And all of a sudden people are saying, what are we buying here? It's like it's like going to the car lot and, and, and putting your hard-earned money down on a car. You sign the papers, and as soon as you come off the lot, it literally uh, it, it quits running. Uh, I, I, I don't know if he signed it. I don't think he signed it because I think the school would have announced it. I believe he'll stay there. Uh, but what all it shows, Keyshawn, is that I wish we had bosses who were as gullible as these athletic directors around college football. I mean, if they see you, if they see your name in the in, in the media up for a job, I mean, they'll give you a raise and, and, and give you a buyout uh, uh, of epic proportion. I mean, it's. I, I don't know if there, if there are worse-run businesses in the world than, than, than the way athletic directors run college football programs because it, it, it's an endless stream of just throwing uh, you know, good money after bad. Yeah, $95 million. The only guy who looked like that was C.J. Stroud. <laughs> was at one point, what was it, 29 of 31? <laughs> like, damn! Uh, so, so you he, mentioned— He might cut a deal like that if he keeps winning. He, you're not lying. Um, where do you think Notre Dame's going to be ranked? I suspect they'll be uh, somewhere in the probably six. Uh, I think I think Michigan is five, or could be a little higher. Notre Dame is right after that. The one thing about Notre Dame is you, you know this committee is going to rank them after Cincinnati, even though they did the, they did it the other way with with Michigan and Michigan State. And to their credit, uh, I think they had it right with Michigan being better than Michigan State. Uh, Notre Dame Notre Dame's an interesting team. I, I, I think without Cincinnati losing a game, and, and they could possibly lose the uh, American championship game in a week, I don't think Notre Dame can get in because they're, they're only loss is Cincinnati. They played really well since then, though. Unfortunately for Notre Dame, they just haven't uh, been able to beat anyone that's really all that great. Uh, normally, Notre Dame has this puffed-up schedule with Southern Cal and Stanford and games that really matter. But, uh, Keyshawn, as you well know, those Pac-12 games haven't counted for much this year. <laughs> no, not at all. But do you really want to see Notre Dame again? Like, like I don't want to – as much as college football, the name and the dome and all, I don't want to see Notre Dame up against Georgia or Alabama. And I, I don't want to see that. Well, Why would I want to see that? Well, you do – you. Do, you do on one condition, Keyshawn. Uh, you're a better, and uh, you take the other side because Notre Dame is the worst playoff team in history. Yes. I mean, they, lose, exactly. they lost the BCS championship to Alabama by 28. I think they, they, their average loss is somewhere in the three to four touchdown range. So it, I, I don't even bet, but I, I might uh, bet all of your net worth and my pittance uh, on, uh, against Notre Dame if they get in the playoff. Don't worry, Paulie. I bet. I'll take that bet with you. Um, speaking of betting, are you betting that, that Jim that Jim Harbaugh actually gets it done for the first time in his career at Michigan this weekend upcoming? Uh, that that's a bet I won't make, uh, Jay. Um, <laughs> one of these days I will uh, be wrong about Jim Harbaugh, but uh, I think the safest money in the world is to go against Jim Harbaugh in the biggest game of the year. Mm-hmm. 
You know, after I thought Paul softened a little bit on Harbaugh yeah, last week, a, but no, I, week, it's good yeah. to see. It's good to see things are back to normal. The sun is still rising, all that stuff. That is the great Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. The latest college football rankings will be unveiled tonight. Paul will be watching. We will be watching. Thank you. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, guys. See you soon. So, uh, speaking of rankings, why Keyshawn Johnson has moved one of his preseason favorites back to the top. This, to me, is the start of the movie we saw last season, where jaws locked and get ready because here come the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It started with Tom Brady. He came to play tonight. He had everybody offensively ready to play tonight. Total team effort was, I thought, outstanding. Obviously, it wasn't perfect. We left a lot out there, and we gave them one. But This game was controlled by the Bucs from start to finish. There's no question. And look who's here. Giving the straight talk. None other than Jeff Saturday himself. <laughs> brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Good morning, Jeff. Morning. You're the best, Jeff. I love it. The fist pump. Hey. That's right. <laughs> so, so, get it going this morning. That's yeah. right. Let's get it going. Now that you're here, you saw the Bucks last night. Um, Chiefs beat the Cowboys. So suddenly, here we are again. The two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year, both looking good. Who do you trust more to get back, Chiefs or Bucks? Ooh, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Bucks. I still I still think uh, this football team as they kind of round into form. I think last night you 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 know you see Tom Brady kind of getting back to form the way he's playing again against the Giants. You know, no, not a huge deal. But but the one thing I would say about the Bucks that concerns me is Byron Leftwich, like the commitment to the run game. I feel like they really need to continue to press that a little better last night. But I like to see more of it. Um, I, but I just have trust for what Tom Brady, the experience he has getting them down to that. And this is the first real kind of blip for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? I mean, what were they, 15 and one? I mean, so this is the first kind of, so I want to see as they progress through the season. I think, honestly, this is best case scenario because they're being forged in fire, man. Like, like it's when you beat the two, two of the best NFC teams in the NFL, when in, 13, but scoring 13 points and 19 points, that's, that, that's contrary to anything you think about with the Chiefs. So I do think and I do appreciate how they are finding ways to win. Um, you know, it's, it's close to a 50-50 for me, but I'll edge to Tom Brady and the, and the Bucks. What about the AFC? Man, it is so wide open. I, I, you know, like when you – the Ravens have to be in the conversation because they're finding ways to win, you know, with Huntley, w- without Lamar Jackson. And how, how they've done it with their roster is – is and in the injuries they've faced has just been amazing to me. Um, and, and, again, the Bills are in a spin, and, and I'm, I'm, I am concerned about them. So that was the team that I was kind of going uh, – kind of staying strong on, the way the Colts beat them up. So I think the AFC is pretty wide open, but the Chiefs would be my number one just because of the last four games and what they've done. But I think you have to have Ravens in the conversation with Lamar Jackson. In the last three years, like we, it's not happening in a vacuum. We saw right. what you know. We we see what they're capable of. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the speaking of the Colts, uh, what's your assessment of Jonathan Taylor so far? Is oh. he is he the MVP of the NFL right now? Well, they're never going to give it. To a, to a running back because, you know, it's a quarterback award. So I don't know why we call it the MVP. Just call it the, you know, the, the guy that everybody likes best at quarterback. That's vital. Or NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Exactly, yes. yeah. I mean, Aaron Donald, to me, was the MVP a couple times and never got the nod. But, yes, he is playing, by, he is playing the best in the NFL. As a player, this kid is – he is on fire. And, I, and let's give some credit to – 
the offensive line, but also the creativity in the run game for the Indianapolis Colts. They have they have continued to grow throughout this season. But Jonathan Taylor, you know, I play with Edron James, who's who's in the Hall of Fame, and, and and their games are similar in the fact they are both patient runners and they're both extremely balanced in their ability. The difference between Jonathan Taylor and the rest of the league right now is if he crosses the line of scrimmage. He can house it. Like, that dude's wheels are insane. And, and for a guy who likes to run in between the tackles the way he does, he, would, he is a freight train that gets to full speed in a hurry. Man, it's a shame that's Derrick so Henry got you, hurt. Uh, lo- Let's go ahead, Key. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's so wild that you said that, Jeff, because I was going to ask you the difference between him and EJ, but you clearly, uh, you know, you answered that question. Yeah, no, no and, and, you know, I will say this, too. Like, I, I think Edrin as a whole, like, you know, he always – when you hit him, he's going still for two or three more yards. You know what I mean? And so, the, the, when, when we were blocking for Edge, the way that he ran, is their styles are different. You know, Edge had that lean forward, and he always used his left hand kind of as a brace to continue to finish out. Taylor's much more of an upright runner, but, man, I'm telling you, like, to, to, to see that at the, at the, in the horseshoe, man, he's a special, special player. Are I would have loved, loved, loved to see Derrick Henry just stand there. Like, a Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, like, all of a sudden, as much as the game has changed, like, those are two guys you want just smash mouth between the tackle, plus this high-end speed, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, you, you know, here's the thing that everybody's – they're missing about the NFL is the NFL has morphed the last couple years, and and, and – you saw it in the Super Bowl with Mahomes because of the injuries, but teams that are getting they're getting more and more physical and they are staying committed to the physicality of the game because all the defenses are getting, you know, they're getting small and fast to cover this basic basketball game that we're playing in 7 on 7 on the back end. So teams are getting back to the, the, the physical portion of the game, and you're seeing teams with good offensive lines. Philadelphia Eagles, like, if they somehow make it into the playoffs, name me one team who wants to go match yeah. up with that. I can let you know, dude, when a coach is committed to running it 50 times in a game, like, that's like high school. I, I, that's, that, was my, that was my call sheet when I'm coaching high school. Let's run that thing 50 times because that's how you impose your will on people. Those type of teams, the Colts being one as well, if they find ways to get in, uh, it, it, man, it is. Here comes the fullback. Ooh. Here comes the return of the fullback. And the P- Patriots, <laughs> Titans, like you can go through a, a, a you know a plethora of them at this point. I was Jeff. Ask, oh, Jeff, I was going to ask you. Let's talk about your one of your other your, one of your former teams in the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers got a little little toe, right? A little toe issue. Got to put a little ice on it, maybe yeah. you know a little rub here and there. Are you concerned with it at all? I am. I, I am. I am. Uh, I am probably much more concerned. This was one of the reasons I actually retired from the NFL, and so I don't know exactly what his injury is. But I will tell you, um, you, you know, a, a toe injury is significant, and when you're playing in Green Bay with the elements and, and all that applies to that. This is not something that you just – it just gets better in two or three days. Like, this is, this is something that will be hindering him throughout the rest of the season. I don't care about the bye week. And I'm, the, the problem with this key is when that thing bites you, it, it takes you to the ground. I mean, this is not something that, like, all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of prepared for it. It's a, you know, kind of grin and bear it. This is these sharp pains that run up your spine, bro. You know, and you're like, oh! And, and you know, you're, you're getting dropped to the turf because it hurts so bad. 
that takes that requires a ton of focus. And now you've lost Jenkins, Bakhtiari. You know he's supposed to come back this week, but that's a huge loss for this team because I'm, I'm assuming he's going to have to be in the pocket a little more uh, than he normally wants to be. Yeah, when I hear it's worse than turf toe. Bro, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it is a pain like you. I can assure you, you've never felt pain like this. <laughs> <laughs> I've had herniated discs, and I can tell you there's a certain kind of pain that freezes you, yes. and you don't even know, am I frozen or am I just unwilling to move? You That's really right. don't even know. Am I that scared of the pain or so am I really frozen? So you do know. I, well, I respect it. There you go. Keyshawn, <laughs> J. Will, and Max, thank you very much, Jeff, as always. Um, from the swamp to the forest, as in Lake Forest. We'll tell you how real that is. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance, all phone guests on the Goodyear hotline. And there's in-studio guests like Mike Tannenbaum, who gives us the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good morning, Keith. What's up, Michael? <laughs> you must be mad at me. My mom calls me Michael when she's mad. No, no, I'm not mad at you. You're one of my favorites. You know, I told you if I ever, if I ever, if I ever have the desire before I get too old to get a front office job and make some uh, owner's life really nice and easy, you'll be the first that I call. I appreciate that, Key. But yeah. is it going to be out there on the West Coast? You look very comfortable out there. It's very comfortable out here. <laughs> no, Key's looking to Key's looking to GM the uh, Chicago Bears. He's, oh he's, look, God. he's looking for Jeez. fire Nagy chance last night at the <clears throat> Chicago Bulls game. Yeah, man. Wow. Yesterday, David mm-hmm. Kaplan from ESPN 1000 suggested Ryan Day is the next head coach of the Bears. But guys, Dan Orlovsky had another idea. Listen. I know everyone's pointing to Dan Mullen's season this year in Florida and going, what a disaster. I mean, they've, they've gone to three straight years of big-time bowl games in the SEC. So I'm just saying his name is going to be attached to that because of his prior history with quarterbacks and because of the skill set that Justin Fields has. I have said this. Justin Fields is the most important draft pick in the history of the Chicago Bears. The second most important pick will be who they select as the next head coach. All right, and at first you're like, wait, failed college coach, except that Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury key and uh, seem to be doing pretty well. You know, uh, Max, I, I, as I set out in sunny Southern California yesterday and, and pondered over college football head coaches going to the pros, and I thought about this, and I said to myself, you know, college coaches can – make the transition and be successful at doing it. 
as long as they make the adjustment from college to the pros. Cliff Kingsbury was not necessarily making the adjustment the first three years or two years as the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. In his third year, he started to run the ball more. He started to get out of this, we got to throw the ball on the one-yard line four straight times on first and goal. He got smart. In the offseason, he did a self-evaluation to realize, okay, offensively, I got something in the passing game. I need to kind of implement a running game in here to be more successful. On top of that, he hired Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator that used to be the former Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator, to become his defensive coordinator. He was a head coach at the Dolph. I mean, the head coach at the Denver Broncos. He got fired, but then he became their DC. So it gotten better. Now I think, as I sat in the sand with my toes yesterday out in Malibu, <laughs> it it was like, you know what, Mike? It it might make sense to go and hire a college football coach that doesn't have the responsibility of recruiting, the stress level that that brings, where you now could just deal with grown-ass men with full beards, and you know you can't BS them around because they'll call you out opposed to the college game. So uh, Ryan Day, Dan Mullen, maybe that's the way to go. You know, Key, what's interesting about that, just to move the conversation forward, two thoughts. First of all, a head coach has to have a growth mindset and come in and say, what's working and where do we need to evolve? A recent example is Nick Sirianni. They came in, led the league in pass attempts early. Now they're running the ball, playing more to Jalen Hurts' strengths, and now look how much better they're doing. Mike Tomlin, when he got the job with the Steelers, he was a Tony Dungy cover two sort of disciple. He got to Pittsburgh, Dick LeBeau was much more of a pressure, odd front. The rest is history. Mike Tomlin's a Hall of Fame coach because he's a leader and he could adapt. And I think what you're saying is really interesting. When we've hired coaches in the past, one of the questions you ask is, well, who are you bringing with you? Like, who's your cabinet? If you told me that Dan Mullen was going to bring somebody like Rex Ryan, who's a two-time NFL head coach, whose family is revered in Chicago, and is going to bring a pressure defense led by a healthy Khalil Mack, Wow, that's really interesting to pair Dan Mullen and his offensive expertise with somebody like Rex, who checks a lot of boxes, experienced as a head coach, revered in the city, has defensive acumen second to none. Now you have a way to develop Jalen Hurt, excuse me, uh, Justin Fields, with a guy that's developed Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, and countless other quarterbacks, and you solved your defensive issues as well. But, Mike, let me ask you this. Considering the way Matt Nagy has handled the media, and I know winning takes care of all, cures all, right? But considering this pass with Matt Nagy and in understanding what Dan Mullen has said this year, a couple of things, like are you going to bring that same type of energy to the table for the Chicago Bears? Well, I'm a little bit with Key on this, which is like, as Coach Parcells would say, deodorant, winning is a great deodorant. It covers up everything that stinks. And if Dan Mullen comes in and shows material progress with Justin Fields, and you know what Rex is going to bring defensively, I think that's something that could play well there. I understand it's not – Ryan Day or, or coming in with, a, look, you're hiring a guy that just got let go. I understand that. But I think when you look at Cliff Kingsbury, fire at Texas Tech, he was the SC coordinator for about 10 minutes, and now it's working. So I think more importantly is what puts that organization and Justin Fields in the best position to be successful. Yeah, I love yeah, the Rex and, Ryan and when point. You, yeah. yeah, and when you look at it, when you look at it, Jay and, and, and Mike and Max, it's not so much that 
he failed in college. Now let's remember, it's college. And in the end, was he really a failure or were the expectations so high at Florida that he didn't meet them in a timely manner in which they wanted him to? And I know what you're alluding to, Jay, his behavior in terms of the way he would, would do things when we dealt with the COVID situation. He was like bizarre a year ago with that whole thing. I'll play in front of anybody. You know, it was like, but that's college. The pros will make your ass grow up as a coach. Now, I love the Rex Ryan thing because, like, his dad, talk about the area, is carried off the field. The defensive coordinator carried off the field last time they won the Super Bowl. Like, that doesn't happen, right? But it did. So it it also play in the area. Key said the Cardinals had the ultimate uh, trump card in Kyler Murray, though, who can run, right? And it fits Cliff Kingsbury's style. Is Justin Fields that guy? We have 30 seconds. Absolutely. Justin Fields, to me, he has a high floor and an incredibly high ceiling because he has talent and character. He, he loves the game, works really hard at it, and you see a guy that can actually get better and see some of these bumps that he's having should, should smooth out over time, and absolutely. Yes, he would be great for Ryan Day and even Dan Mullen because he fits what both of those guys kind of did in college. Yep, Matt Nagy's not the only coach being asked about his future. That's next, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.